Soko Satwo. Thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State. How you feeling? Hopefully you're doing fine on the coattails of Turkey Day. My name's Robert Kerr, your host here as always. On the back of the first big holiday of the holiday season, Thanksgiving, uh, keeping very busy. Uh, Club soccer is doing its thing. Uh, Obviously, the State Cup for High School boys long over and our last standing Division I men's uh, team was felled on Saturday night. So kudos to Chad Wiseman, Mike Malarani, and all those guys. WMU Broncos lost 1-0 out in Portland in the third round of the NCAA tournament. Awesome season for the Broncos, unfortunately. Season end this last weekend, but I'll give them a little kudos for the amazing run. But the talk of the day, we are in between, uh, was it uh, game two and three of the USA talking about the World Cup. There was local watch parties left, right, and center from Metro Detroit to Lansing to the west side of the state and continue in our chats with friends here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. I'll bring in the silent partner of the show. She's been on a couple times, but is usually working the audio. Jenny Hajnaki, thank you for joining us here on Michigan Soccer Central. Talk a little bit of World Cup. I will be silent no longer, Rob. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, oh, oh, gets to listen to every single episode and uh, does such a good job. But here on the Sunday night, November 27th, uh, USA has played two games, kind of still on the uh, on the back end of the buzz from Friday's nil-nil with England. But it was reported that 15 million Americans watched the game, the most watched uh, men's uh, USA uh, soccer game, I believe, since uh, actually, I think it was soccer game in the USA since World Cup final in 1994. So big numbers. And uh, I know on the Michigan Soccer Central uh, social medias, people were submitting pictures of various watch parties. Um, it looked like there was a big old thing going on over in Grand Rapids with Soccer Rebellion. Uh, there was stuff going on in Lansing. Obviously, the Detroit City. Fieldhouse had a big old number of people just like they did for the opening game. Um, what'd you make of the game and how'd you watch it, Jenny? I watched it at home with my three-year-old sleeping on the couch next to me and my one-year-old uh, slept through the first half, but then he was, he was awake uh, for the second half. Uh, I, I would have loved to have gotten to one of the watch parties. The Detroit City Clubhouse looked amazing. Uh, just any, any, probably anywhere you went to watch that game, the atmosphere would have been fantastic, but I was, I was quite content watching it from the comfort of my own home, enjoying it myself and enjoying what I would call the, the greatest tie against the British since the battle of bunker Hill. <laughs> so that was a better, uh, uh, even score win than the uh, one in 2010. Considering the, the game in 2010, I don't, I don't think the United States actually earned their goal. Yes, I would uh, definitely think this was a better performance from the USA 
And also just considering it in general, I think this is one of the better performances we've seen from the USA probably ever at a World Cup and definitely just in recent times taking all competitions into account. It was a very solid performance from the from basically every position from USA, I think. Yeah, there wasn't one big gaffe either that because I thought the performance in the first game against Wales was great outside of uh, the Zimmerman um, foul on Bale for the, the penalty. But yes, on Friday afternoon uh, against England and also to your point of this being a, a, a bigger result than the 2010 one. I'd say this England team is a lot better than that team back in 2010. And I mean, they've been progressing into tournaments far better. And I think their their depth of talent is far superior. All the uh, the English fans uh, were very disappointed, though. Um, friends and family alike, they, they thought that game was an absolute dud uh, from an English perspective. And, and I don't blame them because they were heavy favorites going into that. I know the USA, I don't think there's anyone, any, but like maybe the most, uh, I don't know, red, white, and blue-eyed American fans that were going in there and saying we that they were going to win this game. I think a draw was kind of the, the hoped-for outcome, uh, realistically hoped for, I should say. But I, I, I was honestly expecting to lose the game. Going into it, I'm like, this is the best England team that they've had since, I don't know what, 1966? <laughs> and... Uh, the the U.S. just that they felt young and inexperienced. I think that's what cost them against Wales uh, four years from now. If you give if you give me this USA team in four years playing that game against Wales, I think they blow them out three nil. No penalties. They finish a couple more a couple more of their chances, and they go away without any pressure. And maybe maybe a four years more experienced USA team beats England. But I was just looking at this as going to be like the kind of the big learning experience against a top level team. And not only did they pass with flying colors, but I think they just straight up exceeded all expectations. Yeah, indeed. That, 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 uh, like from the 15 minute mark until halftime, the USA was borderline rampant and had some real clear cut chances on goal. And I, I think uh, quite a few people were like really impressed. Uh, there was definitely a mix of hardcore soccer watchers. And uh, some definite casuals in the in the group at the watch party that I was at, um, it, at at Slice in Birmingham, which awesomely raised around two thousand dollars for a Make a Wish Foundation for a wow. sick child. So that was cool to do that on top of everything else. But yeah, uh, there was some like, oh man, the Americans are, are are doing good. They look really sharp, and so hopefully that's like a a wave that. Uh, was not limited to just the room that I was in, which, which I doubt was the case, but pregame when I was kind of taking the temperature of the room, no one gave the Americans a chance. And I kind of learned myself. I, I wore uh, both an England and a USA shirt <laughs> to the watch party. And now, to be fair, both, both an England and USA shirt. What do you, did you, did you have like the half and half Jersey or did you just have like one on top of the other and you would switch depending on the tide? How, how did this work? So, I I wore a USA like a tank top with an like a England jersey on top of it, and I I thought I was gonna be the only English uh, supporter like uh, there because in 2010 mm -hmm. it was an intense situation. I was on like a guys trip up north, and we were in like a, some 
a very small town bar and I was the only vaguely relevant English person. So it was like 30 people yelling at me when the Americans scored. And so I was like, hey, what the heck? I'll, I'll be the English guy again. But as soon as the game got going, I realized there was no doubt I was uh, I'm rooting for for the Americans over the over England and it, on the on this situation. So uh, as we're getting to about halftime, I ripped that English jersey off and I was uh, parading around in the USA tank top at the bar. You did the reverse Benedict Arnold. I'm impressed. Yeah, uh, I saw it raised some eyebrows. It raised some eyebrows. Some people were disappointed in me. <laughs> not, not, not to keep the Revolutionary War metaphors going or anything. I'll, I'll, I can't guarantee that will be my last one. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Like, I mean, if 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 things can be fun, uh, let's let them be fun. Because there's a, we can't we don't veer too far off the uh, off the topic. It gets to uh, stuff that's not so fun. So I'll, I'll go. Right. I'll I'll go with a. With uh, the uh, Revolutionary War puns, that's just fine. I actually, <laughs> I couldn't believe that uh, that Pulisic, that left-footed oh, shot that he ripped off of the crossbar. Just imagine, that would have been like his his star turn moment if it hit, hit the back of the net. Everything, the way he got himself into position to take that shot was something we've been looking for from an American player forever. And, and just to see him do that against some, some high-quality defensive players in England, was just wow. He 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 really made uh, made something happen there, and he just missed the finish by about six inches too high. And it's just wow. That's the sort of thing we've been waiting for as as American soccer fans for basically as long as I can remember. And there's also the other really big chance came a few minutes earlier when Weston McKinney got uh, got that first time cross, and he said it's skying over, but he got himself into position to take a really, really dangerous shot. And it would have been a high-skilled finish, but still, it was just really nice to see uh, a young American player and several American players kind of work out that little puzzle to get into that dangerous shooting position. And they, those were the, the two best chances. But there were the chances you're not used to seeing the Americans create. I really like that, that, that whole build-up and delivery and the position that McKenney took. Uh, I mean, that was no easy chance having the ball like bounce right in front of you for one time, but that was a glorious opportunity. Oh. Um, do you think that, I don't know, what was the the worst chance scorned? What, could you call those scorned chances or just chances not taken? P- Pulisic chance. I would, I, I could go with scorn because he, he could have buried that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something he's going to have like nightmares about, like Chris Wondolowski after the uh, round of 16 game in Belgium against Belgium. But that'll be one he'll look back and like, yeah, I should have, I should have put that one home. McKenny, uh, it would have been uh, a highlight reel finish, and I'm not going to fault him for missing it. But I would consider that just a, a an available chance. So one more on this game. Do you feel that? At least England took their foot off the gas that last 20 minutes. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure their foot was on the gas to begin with, to be honest. It, it, it felt, I mean, I know they had a, an advantage in possession, but the USA outshot them. And it just felt like the USA was dictating the pace of the game the whole time. It, it looked like, I mean, aside from like the opening 15 minutes, I'm not entirely sure that 
England was ever really the the aggressor in that game. Sure, they had a couple of scattered chances at the end of the first half. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who took the shot. It might have been uh, Raheem Sterling, but it, where uh, Matt Turner had to make a nice save. But other than that, it, just, it did never never felt like England was controlling the game. And aside from scattered opportunities, I never was really afraid that they were going to score. At- I was never, to your point, I was never too nervous. And, and except for right at the very beginning, that one that Zimmerman blocked at the beginning of the game in that first five, mm-hmm. 10 minutes or so. And then I thought that they might get a sneaky one at the end when uh, the Americans were, were definitely fading between um, fitness and mm-hmm. substitutions and the, the, the levels of the substitutes not being at the same level as the the starters. I, I was worried about getting pipped at the end. Yeah, that's and, a legitimate concern. And um so I was I was pretty nervous there at the end, but uh after all that said and done, I I guess the tie I mean they lived to fight another day if they would have lost. Um it would have been bad news. So as we kind of wrap up USA versus England, um, it's definitely not that what definitely wasn't the game that I expected. I thought I almost thought that we Americans would go down early and then trying to be desperate to, to catch up the whole time and kind of maybe lose like two, one or three, one or something like that. I didn't see a scoreless draw. No, neither did I. Uh, but I think the scoreless draw does speak to how, rigid the united states is at the back and you walker zimmerman and tim ream they may not on paper look like the best center back combination but when you put them behind the 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 shield that is tyler adams yeah he's done himself a service I, i i feel like Tyler Adams is the USA's most valuable player. He, no, he didn't get the man of the match award from FIFA or even from some of the more analytic things. Like I think uh, foot mob had Matt Turner as a man of the match, but I think without Tyler Adams, the USA probably loses two games in this world cup. And we're talking about a dead rubber against Iran where they're just trying to salvage their honor in the grand scheme of things. Tyler Adams is the force that kind of, makes the U.S. go. He stops defensive. Uh, he, he stops opposing attacks. He facilitates the ball going forward when the U.S. hero covers the ball. Uh, I, I kind of questioned Craig Berhalter's choice of him as the captain going into the tournament, but I really don't do that anymore. I, the, Tyler Adams is everything we always wanted Michael Bradley to be in the center of the American midfield. I mean, not, no, no knock on Michael Bradley in his prime. He was a great player, but I think Tyler Adams is everything that Michael Bradley just aspired to be, but couldn't quite get to. And he's kind of holding everything together for the USA right now. And he's giving him a shot uh, going into this final group stage game against Iran. Yeah, I definitely don't think that Zimmerman and Reamer holding their head high without Adams around. I think, I think they're getting sliced and diced a lot more and that's a great shout uh, giving uh, Tyler Adams his flowers and, I mean, obviously lots of eyes on Adams at Leeds, but you got to believe that uh, his value as a player, I mean, it, it's gone up tremendously. I think Americans already knew how important he was, but um, on the maybe more global stage, people will see that Tyler Adams is that real deal. Uh, 
defensive shield, do everything, stop everything, cover the entire field sort of a player. And like you said, Bradley tried to do that and did that for a short window, but not Mm -hmm. uh, with the same motor that uh, Adams is. And he was really the only of the, like the, the big name players in these first two games that has looked fit for a whole game. I mean, you could definitely see people fading out quick. I mean, I think they kind of got beat up a little bit in the Wales game, but I think Friday was it hotter or something, but definitely fitness levels seem to be fading out. And there's also been talk of controversy with uh, Reyna. Uh, apparently, I saw some some rumors come out that he was upset that he had to lie about his fitness after the Wales game. And then um, Serginio Dest looked very unhappy to be substituted against England. So I'm curious if old Greg will be able to keep the camaraderie together here when the the pressure's really on heading into this third game on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, uh the the Gio Reyna one, I I question his fitness going in like when I when I saw him not in the starting lineup for the first game, I'm like what's wrong with Gio Reyna? Uh you feel like he could be a um someone that could play out wide i i would have my initial instinct said why is he starting over why isn't he starting over say Eunice musa i've i've no disrespect to musa but i feel like reina could have been a great force out there on the wide midfield uh but and, and i mean i don't know if he's entirely healthy enough that's a problem and Eunice musa has done pretty well as for the the sergenio desk thing i wonder if that was just a Dude, we need to save you for the Iran game, and we kind of we we kind of need to do something to get a little bit of fresh legs going out there because he was doing a lot of work and he was playing very well. I think he was just getting tired out, and he kind of just needed somebody like Shaq Moore to come in there and still provide that same forward pressure, albeit not as strong, but just have fresh legs out there and get have Dest ready for this Iran game because no matter what happened against England in that last uh, 12 minutes and change, the U.S. was going to need to win that game against Iran. And I feel like Serginio Dest needs to be at his best in order to win that game. Yeah, so looking at Iran, it's that game on Tuesday at 2. Um, the USA pretty much has to win to be in, right? Yeah, that's the, it's the only thing that matters as far as we're concerned. Any scoreboard watching that can be done would be if Wales starts to look like they might beat England. Because if the USA wins and Wales pulls off the miracle upset and beats England, then the USA would win the group, which uh, I'm not going to you know worry about. I'm just going to concentrate on what's going on with uh, Iran because you know it's simple: win and you're in, lose and you're out, draw and you're out. There's no reason to focus anywhere else. One of the things about World Cups and these kind of intense, like pinnacle. Um, tournaments is how the emotion and how everything looks changes so much in games and in from game to game. Like at this point, USA has two points, but has only scored one goal. And if they, you know, go out with a whimper against Iran, like say it's another nil nil draw and the results don't go their way. They're out with only scoring Mm -hmm. one goal. That's kind of a whimper. But like maybe they score one goal, squeak out a win, and they could be top of the group. And group play could be, you know, a whole thing of the past. Uh, the, the margins are so fine, and the pressure is so big; it's really outrageous. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing how little like I mean, if we get another uh, Landon Donovan against Landon Donovan against our, our Algeria moment, where the U.S. is just you know knocking on the door the whole time, can't really penetrate a defensive shield, but in the end, like they score with the last kick of the match. It's amazing how different you're going to look at the this World Cup just based on that one signature moment than you would if they had just you know bowed out on another draw or. Uh, anything like that where they you know, only score one goal in three games. I'm going to try to look at it with like the silver lining, though. Say they they do fail to get their win against Iran, and they go out, you know, whether they score one goal, no goals, or whatever it is. I'm going to look at this as still going to be the, the setup for 2026. Because the way I've seen this team play, with all these young players, all of them are going to be back in four years with the potential to add more. Uh, you, you look at uh, most, this is the youngest team the USA has sent to the World Cup in 70 years. The The, the, the target for this World Cup is to have, a, have as good a run as you can. If you don't get out of the group, don't make a big deal of it and realize, that you know what? There's a lot of promise for this team going into 2026 when you'll be four years more experienced, four years more talented, and you're the hosts. You're going to be hosting the World Cup in four years, home games all the time. It's probably the most talented team you'll have ever at a World Cup. That's when you got to make your run. Quarterfinals are bust. It should be what I'd say for 2026, but we'll worry about that in four years. Outside of USA, of course, they, they play their third game on Tuesday. Uh, we're at the end of Sunday, so it's almost completely through the second round of games for all the various groups. And when I woke up this morning to Costa Rica one Japan nil, so, I was just so confused. I, I, confusion is kind of the theme of the World Cup, isn't it? Because how does Japan beat Germany mm -hmm. and then lose to the team who lost to Spain 7-0? Like... I, I I know, right? <laughs> like you beat you beat Germany, and then you lose to the team who lost seven zero. So who knows? And and how does Saudi Arabia go from beating Argentina two to one to losing to Poland two nothing? No no knock on Poland. I'm I'm Polish. I am cheering for my uh, my Polish Eagles. But how does something like that happen? Australia even you get crushed by France, and then you beat Tunisia. Everything just feels so wild and unpredictable. It's like it's it's a lot of fun, unless you're trying to you know make some money betting on the World Cup. It's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really loving it actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. Definitely not a chalk tournament. And then uh, the other results here on Sunday: uh, Belgium losing to Morocco, mm -hmm. and yeah, then yeah, uh, that surprised me too. Yeah, that that's a bit of a surprise. Belgium, uh, kind of flat. Um, talented but flat as has been the case with them. And then uh, Canadian Dreams uh, reaching a highest high early in their game, only to be crushed by the quality of Croatia in mm -hmm. uh, their game. So Canada, unfortunately, disqualified, or not disqualified, but uh, eliminated, eliminated uh, earlier on Sunday. So their first World Cup in 36 years. They go 0 for 2. Uh, Alfonso Davies is probably, uh, after today's result, regretting that penalty miss in that first mm -hmm. game. 
because they would have had a draw and would still be alive, but they lost one nil in their first game. And then uh, they, they, they got a very early goal pressed really hard, ran themselves out and fell apart at the back loose four one to Canada looking to Monday's action, Cameroon, Serbia, Brazil, Switzerland, South Korea, Ghana, Portugal, Uruguay. Um, you, you got anything to say about those, those last uh, second games? Really quickly, I wanted to give a hot Canada take. If Alfonso Davies buries that penalty against Belgium, they win the game. Oh, I mean, I mean, game goals change games, and he didn't change the yeah. game. And, and and the way I look at it, that would have put them up one nothing at the time, and then they would have played more responsible defense at the back. They would not have let Mishibachuai get free and free behind their back line for a, a relatively easy easy finish. They just would have been more responsible. They'd been able to hold on to win the game. That's just that's my hot Canadian take. And then they'd be they'd be going into this game against Morocco in a similar situation situation of the U.S. winning their end. But uh, as far as the the final round of uh, second round games, uh, I am really looking forward to Portugal Uruguay. Uh, my uh, I, I don't know if is I I can't even take original claim on this podcast for it because last week's guest. Also would pick Uruguay to win the group, but that was my sort of like uh, dark horse group winner was Uruguay over Portugal. Figuring Portugal uh, would rely too much on a washed up Ronaldo and they would end up dropping out. Uh, I'd still had them coming second in the group, but uh, I think Portugal Uruguay is a lot to look forward to. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get up for like say Cameroon, Serbia. I'm not getting up at five in the morning, but even like Brazil, Switzerland could be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be a good test of Switzerland to see where they really are at. And, you know, if Brazil can kind of avoid the fate of some of the other giants and slipping up against a, a, a talented, but still beatable team in Switzerland. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so through the first week of the tournament, what would you say is the goal of the tournament at this point? Oh, um, what was it where Charleston had that kind of overhead kick? Yeah, in uh, the Serbia game, that that was that was stupendous. I mean, Richarlison in general had such an amazing game. He scored both of Brazil's goals in their two nothing win over Serbia. But that 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 overhead kick he scored in, uh, I believe, it was his second goal. The seventy third was just wow. That, yeah, that, that's, I, 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 it's gonna be hard to beat that one. It's gonna be hard to beat that one, but I sure hope somebody does. And um, I've been super impressed with Richarlison for Brazil over the last like year, year and a half. I know last year he played like the Olympics, he did the Copa America, and I thought he was gonna run himself out because he played like every possible Brazil game last year. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was gonna burn himself out by the time that the the World came, Cup came around. But when Brazil picked Richarlison over a resurgent Firmino. Um, I was pretty blown away that they, they picked like nine forwards and none of them was Firmino. Uh, just mm-hmm. speaks to the uh, the wealth of attacking talent for Brazil. And that game, I, I won't lie, uh, that Brazil, uh, was it Brazil-Serbia? Um, was yeah. not was not the most entertaining game up until those goals. And no, it wasn't. I mean, I, I was, I was, you know, watching the Lions at the time, so I wasn't watching it super closely. I was kind of like dual screening, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I but I, I would look up and I saw those goals, and uh, so 
I mean, an exciting goal can really make up for uh, a lackadaisical game. Yeah, in general, just like with the way that the times are and the the the, the hosts and all the different things that have been going around. What's how's your general uh, entertainment been or uh, experience been of the tournament through its first week? You know, I'm actually I've actually been really impressed with the quality of soccer that we've seen. I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but I wouldn't have, I'd have been surprised if just because of the, the the timing of the tournament, the fact that most of the the teams haven't didn't get like their normal like several weeks of uh, training together leading into a World Cup the way you would normally get in the summertime. Most of most of the players just their, their club season's over. It's uh, ship off to your national team. Three days later, you're playing in the World Cup. Uh, but I've, in general, I've been impressed with the entertainment value of the tournament. Uh, the, a lot of the, even the quality's been pretty good. I mean, it's you, you get some unexpected results, which kind of adds to the fun factor of it. Uh, it's just, it's it, it's kind of you know this could be considered a bad thing, but it's kind of distracting from the all the the sideshows going on of the hosts and you know you guys talked about it a lot last week in last week's show, but. the quality of soccer and the entertainment values kind of helped me look beyond that in a way while still trying to keep it in the front of mind, because I don't want to forget all the negatives that have been passed on to Qatar and FIFA for the way this tournament's been organized. Yeah. That uh, every time I, I, I I just get into the soccer and forget about the host stuff. uh, My kids will ask a question like, why are they playing it now? Or like, Mm -hmm. What happened to the guys? Like, why are they still playing it now? Or like someone who just doesn't know will ask, like, what is this all about? And he's like, well, actually, all these guys took bribes and all the people that organized it are either in jail or had to leave their positions. But we're still doing it anyway. And right, yeah, yeah, it's never it's never far from the mind. And then and then uh, I think someone at the at the bar at the watch party was like, why are people upset about this? And I was like, which level do you want to talk about? You know, yeah, like, how far how far do you want to go? Yeah, at many levels. This is problematic. But uh, yeah, the, the games themselves have been pretty good. And um, each time I think that like this team or that team is looks bad, they, they pop back and have a good performance in their second game. So mm-hmm. and it's probably harsh to judge teams on their their first games are really on their performances at all, given the peculiarity of the situation and the preparation that they're provided. And the fact that like the whole world going back to the complaints of the host, like the whole world had to change their schedules to, to make it to this world cup at uh, an obscure time of the year um, for, for major tournaments, like, you know, the premier league, like all the major, like the whole world has put it on pause for mm-hmm. it to go to this place that, you know, was bribery stricken and everything else. And here we are. And they, they still pushed on through it anyway. Um, <laughs> just I mean, to, be, to be fair, not the whole world. Uh, the Brazilian season carried on as normal. The Argentinian season carried on as normal. And right here in the USA, MLS and the American soccer season was essentially a normal year. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, a whole lot of people changed their day. Very yes, a lot of very important people changed their day. <laughs> so so looking ahead, uh, USA on Tuesday, um, do or die. Um, lots to look forward to. Um, any predictions for that before we go? Uh, I hate predictions, uh, but I honestly think we win the game. You the, the USA 
they've shown the talent. They've had now this will be their uh, third game. They've had two games to kind of put it all together. And Iran is they're not as talented as England. I I'm not entirely sure they're as talented as Wales. Wales just kind of got an unfortunate situation with their goalkeeper getting sent off in stoppage time. And I think the USA comes out ahead. I, I don't want to give a score, but it's probably going to be close. It's probably going to be kind of cagey. Um, I feel like it, it's going to, we're going to be on the edge of our seat or pacing around the room or whatever you do to keep, uh, keep your nervousness levels down for most of that uh, two-hour period of the games we going on. Yeah, Tuesday at 2, USA-Iran. That'll be the game to watch. So this is usually part of the show where I thank you into a sound room, but thank you, Jenny Hajnaki, for joining Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you, uh, and this will be, as usual, one of my easier editing jobs because I was here for the recording. I know we didn't make any mistakes because we're perfect. And I don't need to hear the sound of my own voice because I just I don't like listening to recordings of myself. So, <laughs> how's how's listening to recordings of me all the time? You you sound great, Rob. I, <laughs> I, I I love I love hearing you talk. I love hearing your guests talk. I just I don't like I I don't contrary to how much I talk, I don't like the sound of my own voice. So. Well, fair enough. Well, thank you for editing the show as always. Thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central Core team. Uh, we will be coming back with more guest interviews. We're going to have representatives from all the high school state championships. We've got some uh, Michigan-based pros coming back into town, and we're going to catch up with a few of them, some exciting players and some exciting interviews to come. So come back and enjoy those. And until next week or until the next episode. So I'm not even sure when the next one's coming out, to be fair. But until that time, everybody, enjoy your soccer.